0: All right, well today we are concluding our sermon series called Sanctifying the Ordinary. Our goal has been to evaluate the ordinary things of life that we do and learn what it looks like to do them to the glory of God. So we've already covered sleep and eating and work, and uh, today we're going to cover the last, the thing that takes up the rest of our time in 24 hours, which is Leisure. We're going to learn how to glorify God with that. Um, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. That's where we're going to begin our reading. We'll cover a lot of other texts. But this vignette of Jesus and the 12 apostles gives us a good starting point for what do we mean by leisure is that a Bible word? (laughs) Is that a Bible concept? Or is that something that we Americans made up because we have time on our hands? Uh, This passage, I think, is a good starting point to help us get our minds wrapped around what God intends for it. So we'll read beginning verse 7 down to verse 13, and then we'll jump down to verse 30 and go to 32. So let's pray, and then we'll Pray for God's help to understand. And he, that is Jesus, called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Jump down to verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Let's pray. So our hope this morning, our desire, Lord, is that we might do everything in a manner that honors you. We want to be the living sacrifices of Romans chapter 12. We want every part to be underneath your Lordship. And would you today show us what we do with our leisure time, what we do outside of work and sleep and eating? Not just a fluffy thing here, Lord. This is something that you care about, something that you've written about, something that you give to us for our joy and for your glory. So by your Spirit, Lord, show us that glory. Show us your good gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as with the pattern of previous weeks, we're going to develop a biblical understanding of leisure. We're going to follow the redemptive storyline of the Bible which is creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. There's a trajectory in this whole area of leisure as well. So we're going to start with creation and with God's good gift of leisure. God's good gift of leisure. Leisure is God's idea, and it is God's good gift to us, as we'll see. But let's start with a question. What do I mean when I use the word leisure? What is that exactly? Um, we don't use that word much. When, when I hear the word leisure, what it brings up is the image of a leisure suit. <laughs> so I don't know if you're uninitiated. Uh, a leisure suit was this polyester slacks and shirt-like jacket with wide lapels, usually worn over a gaudy print shirt and worn to discos and nightclubs in the 70s. So the only way you're going to see one of those now is in a costume store. Um, But it represented, at least during that era, it represented the nightlife. It represented partying and dancing, and that was leisure. Well, Scripture means something different by leisure. It's simply this. It is rest from the toil of life. Rest from the toil of life. It's pulling away from your job and from your chores and from life's obligations so that you can rest and relax. It's not the same as sleep, though we need that, but it's different from sleep in that it's intentionally pulling back while we're still awake and using that time for something else. And we see that in the Mark 6 passage that we read. Jesus had sent the apostles out on an evangelistic mission in the region of Galilee. They went out by twos into the surrounding towns and villages to proclaim that people should repent and also to announce that the kingdom of God is here in the person of Jesus Christ and to give evidence of that by casting out demons and healing the sick. And they did that with much success. It said they cast out many demons. There, are Many people who were anointed with oil, and they were healed. And this probably lasted for some weeks. I mean, they're on foot. They're supposed to go into towns. They're supposed to find out who's going to welcome them. They stay there until they're finished, and then they move on. They go to another town. Um, so this is taking some time, and it's tiring work. I don't know if you've had to teach every day, but that's what they're doing. They're going around, and they're teaching. And they're proclaiming, and I don't know how draining it is to keep casting out demons over and over again, but they're doing that. That must have been pretty exciting and emotionally draining, and adrenaline is rushing. Um, They're healing all sorts of people, so they're always being mobbed with people who are coming to the door. Can you help me? So they're doing this for some weeks, and it's tiring, but very successful, and so they come back to Jesus and they give their report about what happened. And here's what Jesus says to them Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Why? For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. He connects rest and leisure there. I want you to pull away and rest a while because you don't have any leisure. You don't have any. Free time, time. You don't. you don't have, you haven't had the opportunity to pull away. So I want you to come away and rest. That's what leisure is for. It's rest from the toil, the obligations of life. Now that shows you the heart of Jesus for His people. Um, his heart for you, if you're a believer. He's not a slave driver, you know? Uh, he doesn't say to the 12, okay, that was a very successful mission trip, and you know what? There's a whole bunch more people here, so let's go at it some more. Let's keep this thing going. Uh, there's more people around you who need help, so, so don't stop now. Let's keep going. <laughs> he didn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't say, like, well, as long as there's people coming and going, well, you need to be available. Uh, you need to be ministering. You need to be doing something. That's not his heart. He says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. Yeah, there's there's much need in the world. There are many people seeking you out, but I want you to leave them behind for a while. I want you to pull away from life's demands. I want you to be unavailable for a time. I want you to rest for a while. I want you to relax Go sit under a tree someplace. (laughs) That's what he's saying. So our God and our Savior is not against leisure. He is not against rest and relaxation. In fact, he commands it in the fourth commandment. might be familiar with Exodus 20, verses 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And in context, work included things like not going out and gather manna bread on Saturday. Because on Friday he's going to give you two days worth. It included things like not going out and gathering sticks for your fire. You gather more sticks on Friday, but don't go out on Saturday and get those. That would be considered work. It's, it's to, in today's terms, that would be things like you doing your laundry. You are um, changing the oil in your car. You're, you're washing dishes. That, that kind of stuff is included in this idea of work. That's stuff you need to do to maintain your life. Now, you need to do those things. But you also need to not do them sometimes, is what he's saying. God wants you to rest. There are times when he says to you, you shall not do any work. This is God's command. Work and leisure go together. They form a rhythm of life. So obviously work is the bigger piece. Okay, you got six days of that. (laughs) But there is one day of this other thing, no work. That's a piece of it, too. And you rest in between as well, like taking a break after a hard day like the disciples had. To say a little bit more about why God wants us to rest and relax, I think it's for two main reasons. One is to enjoy the fruits of our labors. One is to enjoy the fruits of our labors. In Ecclesiastes 4.8, we have a story of a man who was all work and no play, which makes Jack a dull boy, right? <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4.8, here's what was said of this guy. There is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. So it's vanity, it's an empty thing to endlessly toil and never enjoy the fruits of your toil. You should enjoy the fruits of your labors. It's good to step back and actually spend some of the money that you earned and do something pleasurable with it. Enjoy. Enjoy a good movie. Enjoy a new music download or Disney World if you can afford that. And even if you don't have any extra money, at least stop working and enjoy a nice day. Spend time with a friend. Read a good book. It's not vanity to do that. In fact, it's vanity not to do that. It's emptiness to not take a break. God is not against you enjoying the fruits of your labors. God is for you taking a break. But we need to know the other reason the Lord wants us to rest and relax. Or this could go off the rails pretty quickly. (laughs) Here's the other reason He wants us to do it, and I would say this is the foundational reason. It's to rest in the presence and goodness of God. To rest in the presence and goodness of God. We see that in the Exodus 20 description of the Sabbath day. Listen to Exodus 20, 10 to 11. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So two things to notice there. One is it's a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God. It's a rest to the Lord. So it's a rest in His direction, we might we might say. Um, it's a rest with Him in mind. It's a rest because He commands it. It's a rest because He provides it. It's a rest because we need it. We are creatures who need a break. Only God needs no breaks. We need to refuel. We need to recharge, get refreshed. So He gives us rest. He gives us leisure. He says, take some time off and trust me to take care of you. I am your God. You are my people. I'm your Savior. I've got this. That's what He's wanting from us. So God-glorifying rest is to receive this good gift from God and trust Him to provide when we are taking a break from providing for ourselves. But notice also the expressed reason God gives for the seventh-day rest. It is for or because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and rested on the seventh day. You see, rest originates with God. God rested, and therefore you will rest as my image bearers. Not because he's tired. That's not why he rested. It's not like, man, it was really hard to create the Rocky Mountains. I need a break. (laughs) Not that. He He doesn't get tired, but he just ceased. He stopped working. He stopped the act of creation. He sat back, and he enjoyed the fruits of his labors, and he said, it is very good. I like that. I like the world I made. I like the stars. I like black holes. They're still trying to figure out what those are. I'm going to keep them guessing. And I like the people especially that I made. I'm going to enjoy this. He sat back. He rested. From his work. And so we, his image bearers, will rest from our work. It's imitation. It's a way to honor God. I imitate you. You're like that. I want to be like you. I want to be like you, Lord. So you're a worker. I'll work. I'll do it a lot. But you also rest too. So I'm going to do that too. And I'm going to take that as a cue as to that's what I need in my life. I need, I need both of those things. This is how you designed me. You didn't create me to be a nonstop machine, cranking out parts on an assembly line 24-7. You made me a person who's going to stop and enjoy the fruits of my labors like you enjoyed yours is imitation. This is honoring God. It's becoming like him in our character, in our practice, and it's obedience to do it. Psalm 23 pictures this kind of rest when it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. There's that scene of, I'm safe. Somebody's over me. I've got a shepherd. He's watching out for the wolves. I'm going to lay down here. I'm going to eat this grass. I'm going to be at rest. That's what the shepherd does for us. We rest in the presence and the goodness of God, and that's what makes leisure a God-glorifying thing to do. But, like everything else, our leisure has been affected by sin, so we don't always practice it the way God intended for us to do. So that leads us to the next stage of redemptive history, which is how the fall has created our enjoyment how, how, how it has affected or corrupted our, our enjoyment of leisure. So let's consider how sin has affected leisure. And I'll just cut to the chase as to how our sin affects it. Because <laughs> that's something that we can do about. Um, two ways sin has affected our leisure, I think, primarily. First, there's the kind of person that has a ten- tendency to neglect leisure. To just not do it. Or not do it enough. You just don't stop. You're just always working and producing and planning. So it's the person of Ecclesiastes 4.8. There is no end to all of his toil. And he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? So this is the sin of self-sufficiency in action. You never take a break from life's obligations because you see this long list of things that you have to do and you think it all depends on me to get this done. And I must get it done. I must get to the end in order to be happy. And I'm the only one who's going to get it done. So I'm just going to keep going. So you become your own savior because you won't trust God to be working while you're not working. Uh, Instead of believing Psalm 138.8, which says in the New American Standard, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. We say, no, I will accomplish what concerns me. I, and only I, can do it. I'm very familiar with this temptation because that would be my primary mode of operation. This is the part that I fall over on. Uh, I work too much. I don't know how to rest. No, that's not, that's not true. I know how. I choose not to do it. Here's what it looks like. So I'll be in my study. I'll be in my basement office all day long, and I'll be studying right up to the very end until Mary comes down and says, dinner's ready. And I want to be sure that actually the food is on the table, if not on the plate, because I still have five minutes to do email. <laughs> so, Okay guarantee that when I go up, I can sit down and eat and then leave right away, you know, as soon as I'm done. That's, that's my thinking. So then after dinner, okay, here's what will happen sometimes. I'll say, okay, I, I got to catch up on finances, okay? So I, I, I want to get that out of the way so I can have that off my mind. And so I'll go on the computer again, and that'll take 50% longer than I expected. And then I'll remember, oh, yeah, tomorrow's garbage day, so I got to go get the cans out. So I go down and I get the cans out on the street. And while I'm in the garage, I remember, oh, yeah, there's that pile right there of all this stuff. And I've been meaning to get to that. So it'll only take me a little while. So I'll do the pile and I'll organize that. Okay, good, that's done. Then I remember, oh, yeah, my computer won't sync with my iPhone. My calendars and my contacts, don't, they don't sync anymore. And i got to fix that because I depend on those things being accurate. So now I go and I do some web searching for an hour and a half to try and find out how to get my thing to sink, now it's 10 o'clock. And inexplicably, I don't feel refreshed. (laughs) And it's because at no point did I intentionally say, I'm done for the day. I never gave myself a cutoff. The list wasn't done. I must finish the list. Here's why I'm able to do that. Here's why that's been a stronghold in my life or besetting sin. It's because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it's a virtue to work hard and to work yourself all the time. That it's commendable. Look how hard he works. I got this, you know, talking thing in my head. Look how hard he works. He's no sluggard. He's not lazy. He's diligent. He's responsible. But what I really am in those moments is disobedient. A sheep allows a shepherd to make him lie down in green pastures. God commands rest. He provides it as a gift because we need it. And I need to repent of neglecting it. And so maybe some of you do also. And I'm not suggesting that we need five hours of leisure every single night. I mean, you do have to get the garbage out, right? Stuff that you just have to do. But I'm just pointing out the tendency to neglect rest altogether, to never stop as long as there's something left on your do list. But friends, God doesn't give us rest because we're done with everything. He gives us rest because we'll never be done with everything. And you're not going to keep going if you don't rest. It's a gift that we should pull back from life's obligations and recover and renew and refresh and rest in God's goodness. So that's a word to those who are leaning that way, the ones who, don't, who neglect it. There's a second way, though, that sin has affected our leisure. Maybe this one is the more common one, and that is to idolize leisure. And by that I mean our leisure time and our activity is not a resting in the presence and goodness of God, but it's a pursuit of pleasure as a substitute for God. If you are here for the Ecclesiastes series, that may sound familiar, because that pursuit is described in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. The author, probably King Solomon, he had at his disposal all the riches and the power that he needed to pursue every pleasure imaginable. And he said in his heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. He said, I kept my heart from no pleasure. So he went on a quest to try out everything. He enjoyed fine wine and good food. He built houses and other great works. He enjoyed the outdoors, created gardens and parks. He accumulated more and more money. He listened to music. He spent a lot of time in bed with concubines. And his take on all of that, looking back on it, was Ecclesiastes 2.11. Behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. It was totally disappointing. Why? Because it was all done without God in the picture. It was just pleasure-seeking leisure under the sun without any references to God who is over the sun. Instead of resting in the goodness of God, it's a pursuit of pleasure apart from God, and that's why it didn't satisfy. And that can be our trouble as well. We can think of leisure as a license to just indulge ourselves. This is my time. This is my time. This is when I get to do whatever I want to do. If I enjoy it, then I should have it. Yeah, I've been in front of a screen for the last 12 hours. But don't bother me. And don't don't judge that, don't get in my way, don't ask me for anything. If the house is burning down, I'll respond to that. But otherwise, just leave me alone. Uh, Yeah, my hobby is draining our finances to the breaking point, but I just love it so much. How can you deny me this pleasure? We can view leisure time as a license to be selfish and self-centered and self-indulgent. I will keep my heart from no pleasure. That's what this time is for, right? So just leave me alone. But friends, a break from work is not intended to be a break from Christianity. (laughs) Our leisure time is not a time when biblical principles somehow don't apply anymore. It's not a time to forget all about God. It's a time to rest in God's presence and enjoy His goodness and remain open to God's interruptions of our leisure time because He will do that. That's exactly what the disciples had to deal with in Mark chapter 6. After they get in the boat to go to their desolate place to rest a while, they land on the shore, and guess what? There's 5,000 people there waiting for them. They want to hear more from Jesus, and they want all kinds of things to happen. And then they stay there too long, and now they need to eat supper. (laughs) And the disciples say, send them away. (laughs) Get them out of here they got to go find food somewhere else. I'd be thinking the same thing if my, inter- my leisure was interrupted. <laughs> it's like, this is a bad time for 5,000 people to be in my life. <clears throat> you might find yourself in their shoes. So you, you plan a whole Saturday. You know, Saturday, we're going to leave the cell phone off. We're going to go do this and that. And then something happens... You get sick or the car breaks down or you find out there's a relative in the hospital and you've got to go there and and all of a sudden your Saturday doesn't happen. It wasn't downtime. It wasn't free time. Um, and we could fight against that and say, no. <laughs> or we can say, well, Lord, it is a gift. I don't absolutely have to have it if you want to take it away from me. You must have a reason. And oftentimes he will interrupt our leisure time just so we don't make it into an idol. Just so we don't start locking into that thing and saying that's when I never have to serve (laughs) and I don't have to be available to anybody for anything. Um, Yes, that's what we're hoping to do but we're going to leave that open to God because He'll he'll have His way with us. He'll have His way of seeing what's in our heart. If your Saturday plans get interrupted and you are in a bad mood all week because of it, it was probably too important. You probably idolized that time. It's not a substitute for God. It's a time to rest in the presence and the goodness of God for as long as He allows you to do it. That brings us to the next stage of the redemptive story which is the redemption, how, how Christ redeems leisure. So we have these temptations, not enough of it, too much of it, or too focused on it. So, so what does it look like now to do that to the glory of God? How does Jesus change things? How does He give us the ability to do it differently, maybe the way God intended? And I think it's simply this, it's to embrace Christ as our true rest. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When your soul is at rest in Christ, then your earthly rest is going to find its proper and lower place. You won't neglect a proper amount of rest if your soul is at rest in the love of Christ, crucified for your sins, and if he says, I will give you rest, and here's this earthly rest as a, as a token, as a down payment of the rest that is to come, then take that rest. Enjoy that rest. Start enjoying now what you're going to enjoy later in eternity. I give it to you, though. Right now, I'm your rest. Right now, I'm the one that settles your soul. I'm the one that gives you peace. I'm the one that gives you everything you're hoping to get through your leisure time. Now, have your leisure time. Do it. I'm saying do it. But it's pointing to something else. It's pointing to me. I'm your rest. Come to me, you weary, heavy-laden laborers. And I'm going to give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. And if you have that, then when you look at the opportunity to rest, you'll say, hey, wait a minute, that's a gift from God to start enjoying now what I have in the heavenlies. So why not? Why don't I do it? That's a way I can worship Him. That's a way I can be grateful. Also, when your soul is at rest in Christ, you won't idolize leisure. So you don't set your heart on a nickel when somebody gives you a $100,000 check. Jesus is the $100,000 check compared to the nickel of our leisure activities. When you prize Him and all that you have in Christ, then you don't have to look to your leisure as your ultimate hope and happiness. You don't absolutely have to have it, not if you have Jesus. So enjoy the the nickel of movies, music, hiking in the mountains, computer games, fantasy football, Comic-Con, whatever it is that you do for enjoyment. Enjoy that. That's worth a nickel, though. But it is worth a nickel. So go ahead. There's some value there. It's just not the $100,000. That's Jesus. That's getting to know him. That's why Paul would say, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I count everything as lost if you add the value up. Even Disney World only rises to right here, but Christ is way up here. So that's why this other stuff is lost. If it gets in the way of me enjoying this, enjoying Christ, well, then I don't need it. <clears throat> when that gets into your bones, you won't idolize leisure. You'll be able to say, okay, I wanted, Sat- I wanted my Saturday, but you know it didn't happen, so maybe next Saturday. My life isn't dependent on today going well. If your heart is satisfied in Christ, you're not going to obsess over hobbies and entertainment and home projects and whatever else you do. You just accept them as gifts that God gives and that He sometimes takes away and you'll be okay with that. It's not essential to your happiness. So let's, let's get specific with application. How do we enjoy leisure to the glory of God? What does Christ-redeemed leisure look like? Now if we take the approach of the scribes and Pharisees and elders, we would make a long list of things that you can and cannot do in your leisure time, because they did that. They took the fourth commandment, they took the commandment for a Sabbath, and they elaborated on it with a whole long list of rules of things you can do and things you can't do on the Sabbath. So you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath? Okay, well, what's work? Well, work would be healing people, work would be picking heads of grain when you're walking through the field, work work would be walking two miles instead of one mile. They have a long list of stuff to say, okay, don't do that, but these are things you can do. And that's why Jesus was always getting in trouble because He's doing these things on the Sabbath. (laughs) They're not in the Bible, but they were these rules that were added saying, well, here's what it should look like. Well, I don't think we're going to profit from that strategy. Uh, For me to say, well, you can do this on your Saturdays, but you can't do that. I don't think that's very helpful. Is cleaning out your garage work or is it rest? You know, for some people, that's rest. I, I like an organized garage. That makes me happy. Um, For other people, that's like a punishment from one of the nine circles of hell (laughs) in Dante, Inferno. So I don't think we can say, okay, this is what you should or shouldn't do. I don't think we can always identify specific examples of idolatrous leisure either. Because one person's genuinely restful activity could be somebody else's temptation to sin. So for example, a person might enjoy fantasy football, with his or her friends and family, and it leads to camaraderie, and it builds up relationships, and it's, it's genuinely refreshing. But for somebody else, fantasy football could become all-encompassing continually working at it, spending hours every day checking your rankings, learning the secrets of draft picks, strategizing how you can improve. You can't even watch a game without figuring out how your, your team is doing. can't even enjoy the game in front of you, and you're always wanting to do more, and you're never satisfied. Well, that person might not, might not be needing to do that. But again, one person's temptation, another person's refreshment. Um, So I don't think we can make a list of approved and disapproved things to do in our leisure time, except things that are obviously sinful, things that Scripture speaks against. What I think is more helpful is a list of questions to ask yourself, or have others ask you, about your leisure activities and practices. So I'm going to leave you with three questions about your leisure time. And these get at heart issues, Because the heart is always important when it comes to glorifying God. What's in your heart matters. Here's the first question to evaluate your leisure. One, do I plan rest and relaxation into my schedule? Do I plan rest and relaxation into my schedule? The word plan is key there. As the old adage goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Refreshing, God-enjoying, rest is not likely going to happen by accident. Everyone in the world seemingly has a plan for your time and will use your time for something other than rest. So Friday night when we got back from the conference... Mary and I were hanging around, we're reconnecting with our kids, and we're talking about what we're going to do tonight, and the doorbell rings. And so I I go to the doorbell, and it's a guy, and he's selling home security systems. So let's say that I didn't already decide we're going to do something with a family right now. I'm not interested in a home security system, so it was easy for me to say no. But let's say... That was of interest to me, and I had no plan. I might say, well, come on in. Let's talk about it. And pretty soon the whole night is gone, and we didn't do anything together because there was no plan there. See, that can happen to us. We, we get swept up in the moment or you know, some new thing. I mean, there's, good, there's room for spontaneity. That's great. But if we don't really intend to rest and keep time for it, somebody else is going to jump in. (laughs) Or some other idea, your do list is going to jump in there. Um, Plan to actually obey God and pull back and enjoy Him and His presence. And I know that there are seasons where you can't always do it, where leisure isn't always possible. Sometimes work and school and sickness and caring for kids and car problems and who knows what else, they all conspire to rob you of rest. And moms in particular are not getting rest on <laughs> a regular basis. God bless you with tremendous amounts of grace. But, but husbands, we've got to try and find ways for them to get it. That'd be on us. It can be hard to plan this sometimes. That's why Jesus said man was not made for the Sabbath, as if you're a slave, that you have to do it. But do you want to make it happen? Do you see the need to receive the rest God gives? You'll want to plan it or it probably won't happen. And if you don't plan it, if you don't have any intention to change anything, one day God will make you rest. <laughs> but probably in a hospital bed when you crash and burn. So just take it. It's a gift. So, question, do I plan rest and relaxation in my schedule? Here's number two. Is this activity helping or hurting my relationship with God? Is this activity helping or hurting my relationship with God? Remember that our rest is a rest to the Lord. It's a resting in His presence and His goodness. It's an act of obedience, an act of imitation of the God who rests, calls us to rest with Him and in Him. So the effect of what we do in our leisure time should make us more grateful to God, more energized to serve God, more refreshed and renewed and revived to walk with Him all our days. And if it isn't doing that, you probably shouldn't be doing it. So obviously things that are, not, that are sinful, clearly sinful, they do not help your relationship with God. Sin always offers a, a reward that it never delivers. It, it always holds out a hope of joy and refreshment and then takes it away from you. And it causes you to lose out on that closeness with your Lord and Savior. So you don't want to do things that are obviously sinful. It doesn't mean, though, that your leisure activity needs to be overtly spiritual. So so yes to Bible reading and prayer in your leisure time, in your free time, when you're not working. Yes to communicating with God and and being devoted to God, and a lot of that's going to happen before work, after work, maybe over your lunch break, definitely you want to do that. But God has given many common grace things to enjoy also. Things that refresh our souls make us more ready to serve Him with gladness. So, for example, my vocation, my job, is to read, to study the God's Word, and to pray, and I do that most days of the week. And I love doing that. I know that God's called me to do that. But in my free time, what often revives me is to do something completely different, something that's not that. Um, so when I go to the mountains, totally different environment. It's not my basement study where I feel like a mushroom in a cave. I get out there and there's, there's air. There's, there's blue skies and, and, and flowers and things. I never saw those before. Um, It it refreshes me. When I read a book, I mean, I just finished Hamilton, the biography of Alexander Hamilton. Big, thick book, and now I'm reading one on World War II because I don't have to preach on that stuff. I can just enjoy it for what it is, and I can learn something about the world. But it might show up in a sermon illustration, but that's not why I'm doing it. I just want to refresh myself. I watch movies with my my wife and kids. We enjoy a well-made movie. Tell a story. Just kind of get out of my world a little bit. Gives you a mental break. So those are just common grace things that God gives, and they can refresh you. But the question is whether your leisure is helping or hurting your relationship with God. After you've done that thing that you do, are you still interested in the Lord? Or does that seem like a foreign thing now? Can't wait till I get back to my game, but I'll go to church, you know. But then I want to go back to my game, you know. Is it helping or is it hurting you? Is your leisure activity activity dulling your appetite for God? Is it making your Bible sit on the shelf? Is it pulling you away from fellowship with other believers? Is it making you pull away from the church? Then you'll want to make some changes because that isn't what God wants your leisure to do to you. So is it helping or hurting your relationship with God? Third question, does this activity fill me or drain me? To fill me or drain me, just because in you're in the habit of doing something in your leisure time doesn't mean it's restful, that it's refreshing you. It would help to identify your own fillers and drainers to make sure that your leisure time has fillers in it and not drainers. So drainers for me include managing the finances, fixing computer problems, going to the DMV, Yard work and shopping. I do not get rest from any of those things. They do have to happen. I do have to make time for them, but they don't count as leisure. (laughs) And you have your own list of drainers. Make sure that when you put leisure time on the calendar that your drainers are not in there. Put your fillers in your leisure time. So fillers for me includes hiking and exercise, a well-made movie, reading biographies from real physical books, putting a plug there for books, read books. <laughs> and I like organizing things. Whether that's digital files or the garage or whatever, I just like to see it done. That's oh, it's a taste of heaven. <clears throat> Some of those things are physically active, but they refresh and they fill me. They make me more ready to go back to work and serve others. And you're going to have your list also. Refreshing things aren't measured by whether they make you sweat or not, but by whether they make you more ready to fulfill God's calling on your life or not. That's how we judge it. And I would recommend that you take a hard look at your media consumption and ask whether or not that's a filler or a drainer if that's really helping your relationship with God or not. Because you know every day we're bombarded with texts, notifications, Facebook posts, tweets, digital news, email, Netflix, Amazon Prime, network programming, podcasts, iTunes, blogs, and internet surfing. That's a lot of digital noise. That's a lot of screen time. Do you know what that's doing to you? Have you ever tried to go without it for a while to find out? If you haven't, you may want to take a digital fast and find out if the digital stream is serving you or if you're serving it. Okay, let's close. (laughs) One last point. has to do with the consummation and the end of all things. Our present-day leisure looks ahead to the never-ending leisure. It looks ahead to the never-ending leisure. Christ is redeeming rest and relaxation. As we rest in His promise, come to me, I will give you rest. But we are still going to have good days and bad days here. There's going to be days when we waste our leisure time. Days and seasons where we have no leisure time. Times when it gets interrupted. But full restoration is coming when our leisure, when our rest will be unbroken to all eternity. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. He's speaking there about the ultimate rest in the new heaven and the new earth. The Sabbath rest that never ends. There's coming for the believer in Jesus a day when we enter into God's rest fully For Jesus not only died for our sins, but He rose to life everlasting, and He will bring us into that life with Him. And the glory of the future world is that everything we will do there will be counted as rest, because it will all be refreshing. We'll rest from the works of this world that are tainted with affliction and trouble. God himself will take all the pain and the weariness out of it, and there will be no drainers, only fillers every day. So until then, let's let all of today's leisure serve as a foretaste of that leisure to come. Rest this week and let it fuel you to know and love our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us real rest. Let's pray. So in that one moment of the day, Lord, goes by where we can't worship you and give you glory, where our lives can't be a, a fragrant offering, a living sacrifice. Would you help us in this, Lord? We'll, we'll go out of this room and we'll go right back into the to the habits, the routines that we're in, but we're asking for you to intervene and change what we need, change what we do, that we might enjoy the real rest that you give us in Jesus. And then these tokens, these times where we rest for a while, where we break away, where we're unavailable, would would you help us, Lord, to do those things to your glory? Uh, May it recharge us to to want you more and to know you more and to serve you more instead of drain us from that. Your Holy Spirit, you've given to us for that reason. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.